is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Alongside Craig Wolfley and Matt Williamson, I'm Rob King. Thanks for being with us. Time for a look back segment brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. Who knows? We could have been looking back at the season, but we're looking back at a game in which the Steelers won Wolf, and that is going to get them into the postseason. And it was incredible. I mean, when you saw the weather coming in <laughs> to Baltimore, I've sat there. I, two things jumped out at me. Number one, I am so glad I'm retired as a player. <laughs> Number two, I'm so glad that I've been promoted to the booth. <laughs> you know, poor Max, Max Starks, and Missy. Yeah. Oh, they just yeah. – my hat's off. They toughed it out. But, man, what a great game. What a combination of mental RPMs redlining together with Steel Town toughness getting the job done because that's what it took to go into Baltimore and play in that weather. 100%. And it is the, you know, looking back segment, but looking forward is going to be a little more exciting than I thought. Yeah, you know, right. I was a little worried that this Monday was not going to be about looking forward at all. And they did get a little help outside of that game, got a little help with who was playing for Baltimore and all that, but Wolf's dead on. I mean, that's still not an easy environment no matter what and not a bad defense or offense. I mean, a high-quality team that had nothing to lose. Like, I thought, I thought the Ravens were free and loose throughout the game. You know, like, Clowney just wants his sack. I mean, they had nothing on their mind, and that's a dangerous opponent when teams get like that. Yeah, how about that celebration? $750,000 for the sack for Jadavian Clowney. <laughs> you know, he's yeah, out there dancing the same around. Thing, I think. Too bad, yeah. he, was, he was pretty excited about that. You know, uh, Matt, I will ask you this, you know, uh, when the Steelers were 7-7, seven and seven, and we'll get back to the game in a moment, but it just reminded me when you said about looking forward. Um, you know, a lot of fans were like, well, I should just lose the last three games. 7-10, and 10, get a higher draft pick, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And now, looking around and saying, wait, where are the weaknesses on this team if you get some guys back? I mean, mm-hmm. it's a little different. Just a compl- Not saying there aren't weaknesses, of course, but just a completely different feel for the team than you had three weeks ago. So... What's really interesting to me is there's a saying amongst front office folks, especially like general managers that have been in charge of teams, that no matter what the state of your football team is, we're still three games away from a mutiny. You know, like that, that those three games where the Steelers lost that people expected them to win, everyone was thrilled about this team. And then three games away, mutiny all of a sudden. You know, how do you handle that? And then these three games... Just like you said, you're in good shape. Like right now, there's this mutiny going on in Philadelphia. They were 10 and 1. Now the Eagles are limping into the playoffs. Like the league can change so fast. And if you have strong leadership from GMs, coaches, players, you can withstand those things. What's he on the opposite end of the three the three games from mutiny? I mean, is like three games from Valhalla or something? What's what's well, on the other I end? I think people only look at it negative. I mean, like you can win the Super Bowl and then go 0 three the next year and fire everybody. Oh know, man, from I, the outside I guess, sources. I, I guess mean. that really yeah. is true. Uh, Wolf, a totally different feel though. And you kept going back to '89, right? And right. what happened early in that game? You guys got uh, crushed by Baltimore in the opener. And what was the score? No, that Cleveland. Game? That was Cle- uh, Cleveland. I mean, fifty-one, yeah. nothing. Before they, before then they we became Baltimore. Better. Seven yeah. years later, they yeah. became Baltimore. <laughs> exactly. Right. Sorry. And then, and then a year later, or I'm sorry, a week later, then we got a little better because we lost forty-five to ten to Cincinnati. It's a nice right. Step so, in the right direction. Yeah. There, yeah. But you said you said this could happen, and of course, yes. in the post-game show on Saturday night, Charlie was asked about the 2005 team that won their right. last four games that needed to win those games, got to be a wild card and get in a roll. Now. Uh, that team was, you know, was not far removed from going fifteen and one. Your one year, 
couple of years. I wouldn't want to whatever it was. They yeah. were yeah, one year away from one. fifteen and one. So uh, this is a, this team's one win away from not making the playoffs, or one year away from not making the playoffs. So maybe there's a little bit of a different background, but each year's got his own story. And right now, the Steelers are a team that uh, has to be feeling pretty good about themselves. There's no question. I mean, there's been some real great stuff happening along the way. Who thought uh, three games ago when they, you know, they turned to Mason and and you know, you're saying, uh, you know, Mike was literally saying, we just want to score points. Well, you got that, but you also got a defense that rose up because they're not on the field as long. You've got a defense now that even though they're down some bodies and everything, you find some diamonds in the rough like Eric Rowe coming out of nowhere and doing a great job. Led the team in tackles on this, this last game here. But, you know, certainly this is what Chuck Noll always talked about when he said you've got to get a spark and then you build that on that spark. And if you got enough people buying in and increasing their productivity just by 1%, it rises all over the team. And certainly that's the very manifestation of what we're watching right now happening. It's exciting. It's it, you, you, I mean, you get all pumped up and everything, but everybody here has got a role to play now. And it's heading into Buffalo. It's just an incredible feeling as, as you go from having what many perceived as no hope to all the hope in the world now. You know, um, Matt, I wonder what somebody would have said if you'd said a few weeks ago. Well, if they can just sign Miles Jack, uh, promote Eric Rowe to the practice <laughs> squad, and get Mason Rudolph under center, this thing will all be fixed. Right, right? Yeah, nothing to it. it. Everyone yeah. saw that coming, piece, right? Yeah, piece of cake. Nothing to it. And I, I still can't get over, and I understand that there were some backups on the field, and sometimes you get breaks with who you play in Burrow, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the AFC North has four teams now to finish the season with a winning record. Mm-hmm. First time that's happened to an entire division since the 1930s. <sighs> Steelers are 5 and 1 in the division. You know, that's where it starts. I mean, you start winning games in the division, you're hard to play against. And by no means am I saying the Ravens didn't want the Steelers in the or feared them or anything like that. But I bet they would not have wanted to run into Pittsburgh's AFC Championship game or round one of their games either. I mean, and as good as that team is. I mean, it's just Steelers run the football and they're physical. They're hard to play against. And can we remember that the Steelers beat the Ravens already mm-hmm. one time at the, you know, at Acrisure. So Same score, both games, right? 17-10. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> you know, and and to me, Wolf, one of the things that's encouraging um, is that we know. I think we can pretty much identify. Uh, you know, Baltimore is an elite team, right? With their record, uh, we saw the 49ers up close. What they've done, they're an elite team. There are t- other teams that have flashed elite. I think if I had my druthers, I probably wouldn't want to be playing Buffalo in the first round of the playoffs. It is what it is. You, I wouldn't want to necessarily go to Dallas. To play, but you could, I wouldn't be that feared about Dallas on the road. The point is that there's there's only a couple of teams that you can identify as sort of top notch teams, and the Steelers were playing other teams, like minded teams in similar situations. Cincinnati, that was essentially the loser of that game, was in big big trouble for big the playoffs. Trouble, yeah. And Seattle, the loser of that game in Seattle, was in big big trouble for the playoffs. And the Steelers, I thought, not only won both games, I thought they outplayed each team significantly in the case of Cincinnati, but deserved to win by a score or two against Seattle. Unquestionably so. And look, what they've built over the last three weeks is not, I don't think it's going to come to a screeching halt. I think they, they are going to proceed to go on and build on what they're doing. Look, Buffalo's got its own problems. they got some mm-hmm. issues with people that uh, aren't, aren't going to suit up next week, probably because of they, they came off the field and they, weren't, they were in civilian clothes at the end of the game. The fact of the matter is, you know, Josh Allen, as great as he is, he has his 
also his his blurb moments, as we saw last night. You know, and in fact, and you know when he tossed a couple of interceptions there that just oh yeah, you know they, 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 it's not real. It's not Josh Allen football. Mm-hmm. You know, he's gotten so much better the judgment thing. But look, the fact of the matter is you're going to go in there. And a couple of years ago, what was it? We went in there and when everybody said we didn't have a chance, we got a block punt and away we went. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, not to look ahead too much, but I mean, I don't know how you can't. I mean, you're excited that you're in the in the dance Absolutely. and you got a shot and sounds like weather could be horrible, which could narrow the playing field a little bit. And just even on the best weather, Buffalo's a very volatile team, you know, good and bad. They're a roller coaster and that starts and ends with Allen too. They have their share of injuries as well, and it looks like the Steelers should get Minka back. KZ's ready to come back as well. Unfortunately, TJ probably isn't, though. You know, it'd be nice to have them all. Oh, my goodness. Uh, hang on yeah. a second. Hang on a second. This is the look back segment brought to you by <laughs> Bat- Brian Patton and Associates. Let's not look forward yet. <laughs> come we'll on, forward. man. What's the matter we'll with look you? Forward to, we'll look forward in a little bit. You know, Matt, on, on your uh, podcast um, that I listened to uh, today, you talked about something that I mentioned on DV and, and felt the same way about that. This first half made me nervous because I thought the Steelers badly outplayed Baltimore. Baltimore's yardage all came on one good drive that they put together. And when you let a team hang around, bad things can happen. And I thought that – Especially a team that familiar and all – Yeah. Harbaugh and Tucker. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I thought they let them hang around, but then, you know, they were able to respond in the second half. Yeah, and again, I think that shows a lot of mental toughness, you know, desire, all those things. But I did think the Steelers were the best team start to finish. And at halftime, I thought – Man, this is a little too close for comfort. What if you get a bad bounce or, you know, you know, ball security is an issue? You could lose one that you probably should be winning. Right. By the way, uh, just before we get on to more serious topics of, of this game, serious, Wolf. Really? Uh, you have a serious face on right now. <laughs> uh, Godwin Igwebuike. You know, Mike Tomlin was like, we practice that all the time. And I, I know Mike Tomlin wants to get done with this press conference, uh, get in the bus, get in the plane, and get back to Pittsburgh, right? Well, I'm like, I have never seen that. The presence of mind for Week, in case you're missing what happened, there's a kickoff, and the ball died uh, just inbounds. And Igwebuke went, laid down out of bounds, <laughs> then touched the ball, which made the ball an out-of-bounds kick, and the Steelers got the ball at the 40-yard line. I just thought, I mean, it's one thing to know the rule. Like, there's a rule um, in punts that a lot of players just don't seem to know, which is that if, if, if the punting team touches the ball and it's not whistled down, as a receiving team, you could pick it up with no there, right, right. There's Take nothing, it, yeah. right. I mean, and if you fumble it, it goes back to where the ball was touched by the opponent. There's no downside other than getting clobbered to scooping up the ball and trying to make a play with it and, and advancing it. Um, you know, you get you get the best of both worlds there. Uh, so there's players that don't know that rule. And, and honestly, when he did that, I'm like, that must be a rule. But I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sure I was on that. I thought that was a great heads up play. Every player is on a need-to-know basis. You know what I mean? That's the thing. My world consisted of, well, don't clip them if you can't see their face. All right? Don't hold them unless you can get away with it. Right. Right. (laughs) All right? And no illegal motion. Boom. There you go. All right. So that's my world. Now, the other one is kickoff returns. Man, I was surprised as heck, but it tells you this much. Number one is you got somebody who's receiving information and able to uh, carry it out and get it done. To have the presence of mind to do that, stretch out on the field, touch that ball like that. Great. Second thing is 
Danny Smith is dotting his I's and crossing yeah, his sure. T's yeah, because he for is sure. the guy that is out there instructing, making sure that his returners know what they got to do if you got a ball sitting there. And I'm sure this is not something that he just pointed out before the kickoff. Okay, this is something that goes all the way back to training camp, constantly reiterating to your people the ins and outs of what they need to know and what needs to get done. And Danny Smith is just one of the best at getting it done. Yeah, and, uh, you know, not all good on special teams. You know, Calvin Austin had a great return. That was good to see. Um, Harvin really struggled punting really the ball. Struggled, and yeah. and you their know, punter didn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. You I can mean, say, obviously weather was an issue. Right, you could say the weather, but, yeah, he, he punted it for 20 yards more per punt yeah. than, than Harvin, and that's – that's tough when mm-hmm. you know when you have 14 punts in the game and you're losing 20 yards every time you're punting. That's a lot of field position, a ton yeah. of field position. And I mean, you know, if you're losing 80 or 100 yards in the punting just just by the punters, who wouldn't like to have a 100 yard rusher? Oh. I mean, we, we 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 say yeah, it's great we had a 100 yard rusher. Well, if you lose 100 in the punting game, and you break even. And and I think right. that when you know you and I were talking before we came on the air, uh, Matt, about to me. This game in Buffalo, and again, this is the looking back segment brought to you by Brian Patton and Associates. Um, we'll look ahead more, but the, the things like that are going to be important. They need Harvin to, to go up under bad conditions and and help you know hopefully be up in the in the plus category for you. It's instrumental. All that hidden yardage stuff, penalties, you know, uh, turnovers, going for it on fourth down, missed field goals, all those type of things that people don't think about can swing games in a huge way. And I'm glad you brought up Austin because. Frankly, I thought he had a rough day, Yeah, I, I, except for one exceptional return. And that return makes up for the rest of it almost. Now he had a really tough job, and that weather catching punts isn't easy to go. And, you know, just running on that surface and all those things against one of the best special teams units out there. But the fact that he made up for what I thought were some lackluster moments as a returner with a big return was gigantic. And, unfortunately, we're not getting enough of the, the big ones from Harvin. You know, I mean, and it seems to be a late-in-the-year thing with him year after year. Right. Well, uh, we have plenty of good stuff still to talk about. Uh, we have we haven't even touched Mason Rudolph. We haven't done the the, the passing game or the uh, How about the, the running game. game. Oh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. baby! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got some good examples yeah. there, man. We have some good stuff, uh, and we'll get to that good stuff when we continue. And the point after on Steelers Nation Radio on one hundred two point five DVE. This is The Point After, presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. So, uh, before we went to break, Matt Williamson mentioned the trap game. And just for for fans that don't know, the the basic explanation is uh, a guard pulls or a tackle, but usually a guard pulls or a center, I guess, but usually a guard. You leave a defensive tackle unblocked who then thinks, oh, my gosh, I'm unblocked. He crosses the line of scrimmage like he's going to make the play, and this is this is a, a manna from heaven. And the guard pulling from the opposite side just completely ear holes him. And set a trap. Him. Right. <laughs> you, you have been trapped. So that's the explanation for those who might not know what a trap is, but a lot of it. And uh, yeah. You got to give him some he, cheese, just, man. You he's been ever since he said the word trap. Here's the thing. The it's break, it's yeah. your buddy at the opposite guard that sets the whole thing up because he's got to give a good, against an even front, you got to give a good influence block. You set up, oh, it's a pass. Oh, the defensive tackle thinks, oh, I come off and I swim him real quick and I buy him. Oh, well, that guard <laughs> just moves on to the inside, picks somebody up, and you come across. And if 
He's got eyes on the quarterback, man. It's like, did you ever watch Demolition Derby? Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. You T-bone that guy. <laughs> and he never sees you coming. And it's just a beautiful thing. So it creates I, – I, I wasn't thinking about that part of it. The onside guard. He's got to set the man up. He's got to make it yeah, look okay. like – oh, kind of like a screen. Oh, my gosh, I missed you. That's <laughs> you horrible. You beat me. Well, I better go <laughs> right. find somebody else. And then, right. Kapowie. <laughs> then those, those dumb D linemen get those big eyes and can't see anything else except for – Now, then there's the other hand. Yeah. And maybe that guy either is really smart, you know, yeah. or or like if we used to have in practice because we used to go pads three times a week, you know. And I remember Joe Green when he was a defensive line coach, you know, and he said, Keith Willis, you know that when the Oakland Raiders on third down and three yards or less, they like to run this play, which is a four trap. Well, you know what? We've got to close that four trap. So, you know, when I'm sitting there, I'm the guy that's running the four trap. And I just, where's the young guy? Give me a stunt guard in here because <laughs> he knows it's coming. <laughs> stunt guard. Yeah, I need a stunt guard. <laughs> this is going to hurt. So. Yeah. Well, you know, can, I, but, can I pick yes. your brain a little bit? Looking at, like, run games across the league, it's kind of a forgotten art. I mean, like, teams don't trap that much anymore. And my thoughts on it, and you'd know a thousand times better than me, is – it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, like no. it takes a long time to get good at trapping, and boy, it can pay off when you're when you're moving. But there's so much O line movement throughout the league, and free agents, and guys coming up that there's just no continuity. Is you that why it. you don't see it, Matt? Yeah. That's yeah. exactly why, because okay. lines don't stick together long yeah. enough yeah. to be able to get coherent enough in the trapping game. You'll have some forms of it, you know, but to the extent that we used to run it back in the '80s. My goodness. I mean, we trapped everything. We trapped coming off the bus. I mean, Coach Noel would be proud of what he's saying oh, right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he right. loves that. And you see the tackle trap and the tackle power where they lead with the tackle pulling up on the front side. Mm-hmm. Also, they'll do a number of things. Broderick Jones, because you know he's a young buck and so athletic, and Danny Moore, same thing. They both can run, and they can actually take the place of guards You know, pulling from the tackle position based on what's going on in the inside. But certainly – it's like Matt said, you, the difficulty in keeping lines, offensive lines together long enough to learn the intricacies and nuances of the trapping game is really difficult in today's NFL. It seems like Jones and especially Siamalu are taking it up on the level. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Isaac Siamalu is fun. Like I say, <laughs> when you see him pull, just follow the hair, man. <laughs> well, here's the other thing, too, that I, I remember a coach, I don't know if it was Bill Parcells, I can't remember the coach who said, uh, you know, years ago, just, hey, it takes about a, a year for an offensive line to really get that cohesiveness, a year playing together. What other factors, other than the trap game, um, is it knowing when to help a guy out? Is it is it knowing what a guy's strengths and weaknesses are? I mean, double teams, uh, teams. Double teams <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Matt, again, is just spot on. You know, you've got to understand, when you come off on a double team, you're putting huge exertion into, number one, getting into proper position, putting a shoulder against a car, and you're both pushing a car. All right? So you're pushing this car like crazy, and you got to be ready for somebody flying in either the A gap or the B gap while you're pushing this car because you got to rub off and pick up that guy, mm-hmm. you know, and the other guy's got to take over the whole block. So that takes a consistency and understanding, number one, your partner next to you, and number two, the, the relation of, of the possible run-through guy to where the double team is. So that takes a lot of repetition over and over. But the more you move that car into the back and get that guy backing up, maybe, you know, nobody can really run through a gap if that gap is, you know, suddenly uh, rear end is coming at you of a 350-pound cheese whopper sitting in your lap if you're the backside linebacker there. You know, so that's the whole thing about it. If you can move that guy with his hand in the dirt into the lap of the linebacker there, you really got an advantage in the run game. And right now this run game is really 
coming to fruition with guys being able to play off each other. Are there times, too, where you could come off a double team where you say, you know what, uh, you know, you're, you and Tunch are blocking next to each other, and you know what, Tunch has got this guy. I mean, oh yeah. Uh, or do you just say, Let, let's just run him into the ground and pile well, on top Well, it depends, of him. <laughs> again, on the situation. If the guy plays over the top, then two of us, uh, and, and we're going up to the inside, you'll stay on it. It's like when we were playing the fridge over in Chicago back in 85. The guy's 375 pounds on, on the day, you know. You you come you come off and you need help. <laughs> I could use a little help from my friend here, okay? <laughs> right. Ray Penny. You know, come on, it's double team off. We come off and but you can move him. And job one is to move him. And the second thing is to make sure you allow no run throughs. You can't let that guy run through. It'll kill you every time. And that's something we saw too often early in the season. Like right. Somebody yes. would leave the double team too soon or stick with it too long and then here comes the run through or you know, linebackers are unblocked and you kind of touched on it, but you've talked about this a lot. Yeah, I've been on the air with you quite a bit. And it's like communication is also so important. Right. I remember when you said you got to the Steelers, Webby and the guards would just grunt at each other. Oh, they yeah. wouldn't even say words. And I'm sure you and Tunch got to that point, you know, where you don't even have to say things. You know? Right, yeah. exactly. But it took a while. <laughs> well, they're grunting, you know, I'm like, oh, geez, what did I miss? <laughs> is that a double grunt or a single grunt? <laughs> uh, so let me ask you this then, as long as we're talking about the offensive line, because they've been terrific. Yeah. I mean, I think that. Of the sacks Mason's take taken, and I don't have the number on hand. It's very low. It's very low. Yeah. A couple of those were um, uh, one he stepped into the guy Dan Moore was blocking, right. and, and yeah. probably Mason would say it. that was my yeah. fault. And then there were a couple of times in which um, I don't know whether the running back was supposed to pick up uh, somebody coming in. Um, I think it was Jalen Warren. Might have been Jalen Warren on both occasions. When they have six and you only have five to block, that's simple math tells you that's not going to work. Um, and whether that was supposed to be Mason reading a hot route and getting rid of it, right. or Jalen Warren staying in, I don't know. I don't know what the scheme was. My question, though, is that with the offensive line playing as well as it's played in the pass game and in the run game, is this, you know, you bring in a new left guard in Seamal, you bring in Broderick Jones, who had an immediate sort of impact. Are we seeing now, um, in part perhaps, continuity? paying off that that these guys that part of the success they're having is that continuity exactly so i always said this you start off with five fingers i'm holding up a hand so you got five fingers right so you've got those five fingers and as you play longer and longer and longer you get tighter and tighter and tighter and by the end what do you got you got a fist I'm, I'm glad you're between <laughs> me and Wolf, Matt. <laughs> but but, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, when you, have, <laughs> when you have that continuity between the players so that you kind of move as one, you understand, like, I've been in situations where a guy moves just prior to the snap and you can't get a call out because, number one, you'll make everybody jump off sides. And number two, you realize what I realize, for instance, what Tunch is going to do pulling from the right tackle to the left side of Mike Webster's left butt cheek, there's a guy suddenly in the gap there. But I know Tunch will see that, and I know that's part of his route, you know, be, being route aware of his on his way to that area. He's got to see it from the left cheek of Mike Webster out to the C gap, right? So he's going to pick up. So I don't have to say nothing. But that's a process of of being there for a long time and playing together. For a long time, I don't have to declare to him, "Oh, hey, Chaluch, you better watch out. You got a guy in the A gap, and he's going to try to splat you." He's already prepared for it. 
I know that. Would I don't you, have to say Would you anything. guys communicate that like in a film session or something or, or maybe oh, yeah. in a practice? As you watch film, you'll see. So it wasn't see. just a matter of it, doing no, it on the field. It I'm was sure both. during the course of the game yeah, on the during, sidelines. Too, even yeah. even yeah. as we prepared for it, we had a special play. It was a 93 trap. It was touch pulling from the right tackle to the left side. All right. And, and the only difference is for Mike Webster and I. Webby's either going to block all the way back and I'm going to get his man or we're going to double team his man and I'll pick up the linebacker on the backside. That's all it took, you know, because the quarterback's going to audible. I don't have to give a call because, number one, I'm going to alert the guy here, and number two, probably I'm going to jump off sides. <laughs> and I'm sure on game day sometimes, like, boy, that D-tackle gets upfield even quicker than we thought on tape. Oh, or, absolutely. You know, things like that. Or, but you, you know, understand, than I yes, thought, or, yeah, you yeah, understand yeah. what each, each guy does. And you understand, too, like Ray Penny. We used to call him the rubber band man, okay? Ray would get into situations that looked like he was in trouble, pass rush. He was okay. <laughs> You know, he was just one of those guys that could recoup and rebound. And every I saw him one time. The guy spun, and they were back to back, looking at each other over their shoulder. <laughs> you know, I mean, which is a very incongruous situation. And I laugh about it now. But I remember trying to help Ray out. Ray's looking at me. I'm looking at him. I'm trying to get to the guy on Ray's back. <laughs> you know? So it's just one of those situations where you learn to play next to each other and have continuity. And again, the more you play together, the closer you become and the better you become. Real quick, if you don't mind, just no. I like to throw in stuff from the other teams too. But McDonald, the defense coordinator for the Ravens, I think is going to be a head coach maybe in a month. I mean, like they cause a lot of problems all year, no matter who the opponent is, with simulated pressures, overload blitzes, things of that nature. So that's about as stiff a test as you're going to see schematically. And I can't help myself to look ahead just a little. This Bills offensive line, same five starters every game this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, something well, to think about. Yeah. And it is. And uh, the Steelers have gotten to that that point of continuity as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, football is, uh, to me, the ultimate complementary sport. And, uh, you know, they're, they're like T.J. Watt, for example. We'll talk about the injuries coming up. But he's going to make the people around him better because he has to be accounted for. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have to keep a running back in to help double team him. Well, that running back isn't getting out to the flat. Well, that's going to help a, a linebacker or a corner in coverage. Sure, sure. Um, it's going to help the guy on the opposite side, Alex Highsmith, because he's going to get single block. So all these things fit in together. And so I'm not saying that, because um, I do want to talk about Mason Rudolph, you know, whether it is Mason Rudolph helping the offensive line, the running backs helping the offensive line, or simply it beginning with the offensive line, helping Mason Rudolph helping the running backs, I think it's probably all tied together. But I don't think you can understate just how good this offensive line has been. And to me, that gives you um, maybe a little bit better opportunity than that nine-and-a-half-point line I'm staring at that people might think. I'm not going to ask you about the line. I'm just saying, in general, then, this offensive line is, if I'm, you know, as a Steelers fan watching it, it gives me cause for hope. No doubt. No, no question about it. First of all, I mean – since the bye of last week, I think everything starts with this franchise top to bottom with how well they can run the football. But for looking ahead a little bit, and I'm sure Wolf will like this, or probably has already heard it, is good offensive lines travel. You know, I mean, that that facet in a hostile environment, bad weather, playoffs, AFC North football, whatever, good lines travel. And I think this is a good line. That is a truism. Yeah. And Matt's right on. I mean, I couldn't say it any better. They travel, and when you have that tight-knitted group, you take that group of five anywhere, and it's like walking down an alley with five of your biggest, baddest, best friends because it's going to get the job done. Well, the other thing is, too, is that the guys behind them running the football, 
and we'll stick to the run right now before we move on to Mason Rudolph. Uh, Jalen Warren, who obviously had trouble hanging on to the ball um, in this game, but who has been a dynamo for them. And Najee Harris, I mean, back-to-back 100-yard games for the first time in his career, goes up over 1,000 yards. But he, he, when he's running like that, he's setting the tone. I think the line and Najee Harris and Jalen Warren, too, feed off each other. They're, I mean, those guys run with attitude. They they run kind of like maybe – like I think most offensive linemen – I had a, my, my roommate in college was an offensive lineman, and I and I asked him what he dreamed about, and he was like, you know, I thought maybe like running out in the open field. His dream was like to fall on a fumble in the end zone. So not big <laughs> dreams, you know. But, I mean, I, I would think if you're an offensive – that's the kind of guy you want to block for, man, who's going to yeah. give it – I mean, they're, they're fighting until the whistle blows, until they're in the ground and someone's on top of them. And there's still a leg kicking out and an arm thrashing around, you know? You know, one of the greatest hits I remember of Steve Corson pulling on a sweep, and he hit Reggie Williams from the uh, Cincinnati Bengals so hard that when Reggie – he literally – it was like watching a bull gore a guy, you know, one of the matadors, and hit him, and he went straight back nine feet. His cleats were off the ground by about an, two inches. Wow. And he shot backwards – I'm sorry, not nine feet, th- a, a yard, three feet – and his feet hit the ground, and he did a backflip when his feet hit the ground, the yard official turf. It was spectacular. I mean, it was such a hard hit. He, he literally caused the guy to go backwards and flip. He came into the huddle, you know, and I remember, I can't remember, it was Franco or, or Frankie Pollard, whoever it was, and I looked at him and go, that was a great hit. And I just remember Steve going, yeah, daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he knew, you know, and then everybody gets jacked by that. You see that, and you want to do that. So you go out there and you go even harder, you know, and the backs are pushing the linemen, the linemen are pushing the backs, and all of a sudden you got this great mojination rolling. It's a lot of fun. Well, we've had some mojination rolling, so much so, in fact, that we haven't even mentioned the hottest topic in town. But we're going to do that next when The Point After, presented by Steelers Nation Radio and 102.5 DVE, continues. This is the point after presented by Parks Casino. Is today your lucky day? Bet Parks by Brian Patton and Associates. It's all about the benefits. And by the Steelers Pro Shop. Get it direct from the team at shop.steelers.com. Third segment of the point after. Uh, Proud of us. Uh, We've gotten this far in the show and have not mentioned the hottest topic in town. Uh, Most most people would probably be leading with that. But we're saving the best for last. This is dessert. Uh, And it's Mason Rudolph, uh, Wolf. And, you know, I, I don't quite get the flag in the sand that a lot of Steelers fans have. You know, you're a Kenny Pickett guy. Last year, maybe you were a Mitch Trubisky guy. Now you're a, a Mason Rudolph guy, and this is our camp, and this is our hill, and we're going to gather here. And frankly, I I don't care who is right. performing well yeah. as long as you're helping a team win. And right now, uh, Mason Rudolph, the way he's performed, I mean, he's been terrific. Uh, the back-to-back games of – uh, you know, 33 points and 30 points. We haven't seen that in forever. You know, getting over 400 yards, 397 in the first game against the Bengals because they took their foot off the gas really was why that wasn't more. Uh, the offense just looking completely different. And you can talk about different factors. We've talked about the offensive line, but this all coincides with Mason Rudolph getting under center. You know, if I had three words to describe Mason Rudolph, it would just simply be making good decisions. You know, calculated risks, as Mike Tomlin talked about, not gambling, all right, but understanding the limits of what is is necessary at this moment in time for you to be successful, and then proceeding upon that that information and acting on it. And whether it's throwing an in route when 
you know, I love the, the schematic diagram of how they had Fryermuth, they had uh, Pickens, and they had uh, Deontay on the same, you know, three three and one, you know, on, on the three to the right side. And you got Fryermuth freezing the inside linebackers. You got Pickens freezing the corner on the outside. Oh, here goes Deontay on a little slant route, a little break-in mm-hmm. route. You hit him right at the right time. And, and I, you know, it's maybe it was you this morning talking to me. I say, you don't have to throw the ball 70 yards, yeah, you right, know, to right. get a 70-yard touchdown. You throw it 20 yards, and the guy runs the other 50. Hey, that works. Well, we've, we've seen what happens when you get playmakers moving forward. I think, uh, you know, look, the, the biggest issue that I had with uh, the Matt Canada offense, and again, they're running a lot of the same stuff, right? They're, it's not like they've thrown the playbook out the window. No, and it's start, still there. You can't install a new stuff. offense. Yeah, you right, can't yeah, install right. a new offense, but – um, but you could there, a lot of stop gaps and a lot. And again, look, I don't have any idea how that came down. I don't know if it's, you know, from from the head coach saying, hey, listen, we got to play this close to the vest. You know, I don't know whether it's the, the off. I have no idea, but it was very conservative. There are a lot of stop routes, uh, you know, receivers are there back to the defense, catching the ball. Now they got to catch a four yard ball, turn around, try to head up field. A lot of stuff out to the flats. Well, a short pass over the middle of the field only has to travel 10 yards, 15 yards. It, it, I said this morning, it's, it's throwing a ball across your living room. It's it's not a long throw. Um, and yet Deontay Johnson and Pickens have the ability to take those short throws, as we've seen, and make big plays out of them. Fryermuth. I mean, the first play that they ran, Kenny Pickett was the quarterback, um, with the new offense was Fryermuth up the middle of the field. They attacked the middle of the field. I, I thought that was being left alone, and now they're attacking that, and – and Mason Rudolph, you know, came into this season, 16 touchdown passes, 11 interceptions. That's not the ratio you want. Mm. Um, and this year, three touchdown passes, zero interceptions. So to Wolf's, you know, comment about making the right decisions, he's he hasn't been afraid to throw the ball, and he's made good decisions and hasn't thrown an interception yet. So two things I want to add to that is I very, very much believe yards after the catch is as much a quarterback stat as a pass catcher stat. You know, I mean, putting the ball, I mean, Bill Walsh, six six inches in front of the numbers, not nine, not, you know, we want the ball here with with Jerry Rice on a slant. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. yards after the catch, Peyton Manning, Brady, these guys are great yard after the catch quarterbacks because they're timing and accuracy. Now, the interception thing I think is crucial too. So over the last two years, the Steelers are 17-4 and four in games which they did not throw a single interception. This year, they're 9-2 and two in games they don't throw a pick. Now, I'm not giving Trubisky a hard time, but he throws picks. <laughs> and Well, if I, if I can interject yeah. here, they're 10-3 they're and in uh, ten and three in games started by Pickett and Mason Rudolph, zero oh and four in games started by Mitch Trubisky. Just want to throw that yeah, in there. Yeah, I, mean, I think that okay. that's relevant. I mean, if you take Mitch out of the equation, I think Kenny is a young quarterback. Might have been a little too tight. Just can't throw a pick. Just can't throw a pick. Mm-hmm. Where Rudolph was a nice blend of the two. Where I think he's been more aggressive with his decisions. But to Wolf saying, also smart. You know, he'll he'll dirt the ball if it's not there. He's not going to put it in harm's way. But still. Knows when to hold him and when to fold him. Yeah. It feels to me like this is a guy, you know, they talk about mental reps. Mental reps are difficult, right? I mean, physical reps are better. That's why the first and second string guys get the practice, mm-hmm. right? But if you're the third string guy, you are you could go weeks without taking a snap in practice, unless maybe you're doing the scout team or something. Well, you're simulating what Joe Burrow is. Right, yeah. Right, Watson yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right, you're, yeah. you're the scout team guy for the defense, right? That's the only – which is not running your offense, not going through the, the progressions. But I'm seeing a guy – who is going through his progressions properly, quickly, 
Um, he just looks to me like a guy who took advantage of of every possible permutation when it comes to uh, preparing yourself. And I think it's a great story that he stepped out there and taken advantage of it. Unquestionably so. Look, people will tell you that, oh, yeah, I, you know, I, I got the will to win. But do you have the will to prepare to win? That's mm. the question. And people, they, a lot of times, though, they might overstate. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm, I'm preparing each and every day. I'm doing the mental reps. Well, are you really? Right. You know, the mental reps is more than just standing back there going, okay, so I got this play, so I got the fake. It's underneath snap. I got to, you know, fake a handoff, and then I throw the out. All right. No, no, that's not it. You've got to put yourself mentally in a position right. where you're seeing the rush, you're feeling the rush, and you, you're throwing the ball, you're doing all these things, and you got to get that down. How do I know? Well, shoot. One of the biggest obstacles I had when I first came to the Steelers was Raleigh Dosh, my offensive line coach. Are you doing your mental gymnastics? My what? <laughs> mental gymnastics? What's that? And you learn to put yourself in a position where now they have, what, the Oculus? You know, they can see things. You know, and they can, you know, you got the game coming in. Well, you got to do that in your head. You know, and I basically got so good at doing it in my head, I could eat popcorn in the theater of my mind. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the point is, you know, if you're really doing that, you see the results because the trapping game had so many variables. You could never get enough practice to create the same scenarios and all the different traps that you run based on whatever defense, you know, three, four, four, three, stack over Q, all these different defenses. So the point is, you've got to do that mentally. And the results are, you see it in Mason. You see it when he moves the safeties with his eyes. You see him when he has a shoulder fake. You see it when he does the little things like hanging onto the ball to the last second, knowing that the timing's about to come, he's going to get hit. But he's hanging in there and delivering the ball, waiting for a window to clear. All these little things, the nuances of quarterbacking, he's doing. And right. how's he doing it? Well, he's been doing it in practice. He's been doing it in the mental preparation. He's really been doing what he said he was doing, which was preparing each and every week. Ideally, you'd like every professional to do that. But the, the sure. fact of the matter is that Mason Rudolph was staring straight down the barrel of maybe never getting another opportunity in his career. Oh, career crossroads, and, and, and yeah. kudos to him for putting in the work and saying, listen, the opportunity may never come, but it might. Somehow it might. Mm -hmm. And when it did... He was ready, and he's been terrific. I think it was Muhammad Ali that said champions are made when no one's watching. You know, like right. doing the road work at 5 a.m. Right. No one's got a camera on you. You're not on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. Well, Rudolph's obviously been doing that type of thing, too. You know, he, he's doing more than what's going on on the practice field, in the quarterback meeting room. He's spending a lot of waking hours outside the building or on his own working on his craft. Yeah, it'd be easier to pay somebody to watch you at all times. <laughs> that, that, that might be the way to perform best. Okay, so uh, we, we mentioned and listened, uh, we, we just have a few minutes left in the show. A uh, lot of good things out of the Steelers. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, Roe playing well. Um, you know, I think the team getting fewer penalties, uh, although both teams got fewer penalties, and this came in Baltimore. Might be you know, something about the ref crew not wanting <laughs> yeah. any more extra attention. Yeah, perhaps, so the Bills yeah. have won five in a row. The Steelers have won three in a row, and they're an intriguing team. Um, I said at the beginning of the show, of, of all the teams, I think, in the AFC, this might be the team I'd least like to play up at their place. Mm. They've won five in a row. Uh, they include wins at Kansas City, at Miami, Dallas at home. Um, they were – you know, we we bring up the 05 Steelers. What the Bills are doing remind me of the 05 Steelers. I mean, they, that Steelers team won four in a row. They were counted out. This team was 6-6, six and six, and people are oh. like, hey, they're done. 
Now they're division champions. They've won five in a row, and this is a team with a recent background of success. So they're a formidable team. They are banged up, Matt. They do mm-hmm. have some injury issues. Last night they lost, uh, you know, already without White, their premier corner, Milano, their uh, Pro Bowl and uh, middle linebacker for quite some time. This guy's been out since October. But now they're back. Uh, their backups injured last night. Gabe Davis injured last night. We don't know whether these guys are going to be able to play or not, um, but uh, it's a team that's got a, an absolute franchise quarterback, but he's been very generous with throwing interceptions this year. He threw two last night against Miami. So uh, what do you make of this matchup going up to Buffalo? Yeah, they're one of the best teams of the last handful of years, but haven't got the ring, you know, and they've been really close. They've won the division four years in a row. They've gone to the playoffs five years in a row. They are dealing with injuries, as is everyone around the league, but we'll see how significant some of those are. I think they're very volatile. I think that their highs are very high. Their lows can be very low. And their quarterback is an utter superstar who's unbelievably talented, but he's a bit of a wild stallion, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really hard to play against. Yeah, he's really hard <laughs> he's to play against. Yeah. yeah, hard to tackle. And, oh. you know, they got a huge punt return in the game last night. I mean, I'm not sure they win that game without the punt return. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they are a handful, and it begins with Josh Allen just being. There's just, no question, ugh. and you're going to have to specifically address that in your defensive meetings and so forth. But one of the things I'm like, Alandon uh, uh, is back. Alandon mm-hmm. Johnson, right? I mean, uh, Roberts. I'm, Roberts, I'm yeah. going to say Johnson. Um, Alandon Roberts. Alandon Roberts. I'm. I'm. Demonte Mark KZ. Rob, yeah, Mark Robinson had the sack. did yep. such a good he job. A good game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. man. Yeah. You know his that blitz when when uh, right. You know, Tyler Huntley had his back turned, you know, to him. He he was on him like cheap suit, man. I mean, it was fun watching and the explosive tackling. Now, if he can get the other parts of, you know, NFL linebacking down, that'll be great. But specifically inserted into certain situations, he's got the ability to do some real good work on there. And Landon again, is such a critical factor in that second level because, number one, he is a hard hitter. I watched him. You know, I'm thinking about a pec injury, how much that, that would hurt anytime you extend your arm and everything. And you watch him. He don't play like he's got a pec injury, man. He he played like he was all fine and everything else and putting a whack on people. And I just I really respect that professional attitude and being able to – there is a difference between injury and pain. Chuck always used to remind us of that. And certainly he's one of those guys that understands the difference. And you can't miss a guy, Matt, like T.J. Watt, who is – you know, I That's think a lot hard of, to overcome. I mean, he yeah. listen. He he belongs. I, I don't understand why the narrative, uh, you know, jetted away from him in the middle of the season. Well, it's either Micah Parsons or Miles Garrett for defensive player of the year. I I still don't understand why that is. But you know, we can't make our case for him as defensive player of the year and think, oh, they'll be fine without him. I mean, he he's 100%. clearly he's clearly going to be missed. Now the two guys backing him up, they have to be good for a game. And I think one of the other things, you know, your injuries. Um, on the outside, when you'd like to be able to get pressure on Allen, but we talked about the middle linebacking position. Um, you know, hopefully your safeties come back. Mink coming back would be a huge deal. Maybe now Peterson can can think about covering either Cook or one of those tight ends because not only does Allen hurt you, not only do they have digs, and maybe you can put Joey Porter Jr. on him, but this is a good matchup, I would think, for the Bills, exploiting the guys you traditionally think of covering running backs and tight ends on the Steelers and whether those guys are up for the task. We saw Cook running a running a pattern oh, like a, a wide receiver last night. Oh, and Kincaid's really a big wide receiver, too, their first-round pick. Yeah. I mean, he's a very accomplished a end, runner. Right, yeah, end. yeah, but he's he basically is a big wide receiver. 
Um, I'm sure we'll see, I haven't given it a ton of thought yet, but I'm sure Porter will spend a ton of time on Diggs. I would I think mean, so. He's clearly their one. And Diggs was very quiet before last night, to be honest with you. He had about a five-game stretch there where he disappeared. So they've been looking for others to step up, and it's been Cook, Kincaid, Davis, who also got banged up. But I do think, as Wolf was talking, and we've kind of mentioned, the linebacker safety situation for the Steelers all of a sudden looks a lot better than it used to. You know, Make like comes it, back, he Casey yeah, back Casey from suspension. Back, Peterson's Rose been some. good. Rose been good. Right? Roberts, you know, Robinson's coming off his best game, so. Maybe, I mean, you can't make up for the loss of Watt. You can't. But maybe you blitz 10% more because you trust the spine of your defense more than you used to. Right, and it is interesting. I, I feel like what the Steelers are presenting now with being able to be more explosive in the passing game is we want to run the ball. But if you bring that extra guy in, we can throw it. Um, you know, the Bills will run the ball, and Allen will scramble. Um, they present unique difficulties as well. So it just – it's, I can't wait, Wolf. It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm excited, too. And here's the thing about it. We've already got a pretty good experience with dealing with running quarterbacks. Yeah. You know, with, with Lamar Jackson. You know, I mean, that that's true. So, I think this is not a, a long step or a long stretch for this defense to have to address it. And the more we get the inside linebackers, safety position stabilized, and again, great work by Eric Rowe, and I apologize to Landon Roberts for screwing up your name. <laughs> <laughs> Just remember that so you don't hit me. <laughs> Well, some hard hits on the quarterback yeah. in the scrambling uh, game might not be awful either. Uh-uh. Yeah. I've been told, though, Allen, like uh, the, the opposite of Lamar, but like Lamar, is different when you see him in person than on tape, that yeah. he is a big beast. Yeah, you hit yeah. him and you might not Holy get the best of it. <laughs> yeah. right. no, That's, yeah. It's a large but human being. I, I'm still saying I'll take a landing over, over Josh in a collision. Well, I can't wait, and we'll see if the look back segment next week is a look back at a victory advancing the Steelers on in the playoffs or hopefully not a season recap, but we'll be back again next week for the most complete selection of Steelers merchandise from official sideline gear and authentic memorabilia to our extensive selection of jerseys and terrible towels. Visit one of the official Steelers pro stores, uh, pro shop uh, stores located at Acershire stadium, Grove city premium outlets or Tanger outlets, or visit us online at shop.steelers.com for all your Steelers merchandise needs directly from the team. For Craig Wolfie, Matt Williams, and I'm Rob King, thanks for joining us for The Point After on Steelers Nation Radio on 102.5 DVE.